It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the owner of KWM Radio, God Country, Texas, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my friend, Michael R. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Well, Don, I'm going to have to give you a couple different things. I'm going to have to, first of all, first of all, I don't know what the R is, and we're sitting virtually. As you know, during still during the pandemic, even though I know Texas is opening up, Yes. We're still being on the cautious side, and we're doing this uh, uh, by telephone. Old uh, habits die hard, being, as you know, so this old this right, habit right. won't die no matter what. And I do do that, and it was going to self-correct, but I'm happy for you to do it, too, and tell them that we are uh, short distance, not long distance, short distance away from each other, doing the program from different locations to be safe. Yes. Yeah, we'll continue to be safe until we feel like it's uh, when we think it's, it is safe. Uh, right. Get to back together at the radio station. But what's the mm-hmm. R stand for? The you R stands for B. Yeah, it's Michael B. Cohen. His address is DallasElderLawyer.com. It's Michael B. Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, and you can just Google that and type in the word Dallas yes. Attorney Cohen, and Michael will come up. But the R stands for many. Well, well why did you say? But yeah, what? What is the, the R, R stands? Stand for? The R stands for return, resume. Our lifestyles, and when that's going to happen regarding the COVID-19, we don't know. But we're waiting patiently, okay. we're right. waiting for the governor to make decisions and the mayor to make decisions, and others like that. Uh, uh, was it Judge Jenkins who also calls the shots on all of that? I think it is. In Dallas County, it is. Yes, yes. every so, county has their own thing. The governor has, uh, has the final say so, but uh, right, uh, of course, in Dallas County, they have different different things that they've recommended. And the governor has done a superb job compared to many other states, so he has to be applauded for that, like DeSantis is in Florida. So we're, we're very fortunate in that sense. It's not over by any means, but so far so good in the state of Texas. But time will tell, um, maybe later on in, in the ensuing months, how well things have gone. But the R, Michael B. Cohen, but the R also stands for retirement. And that's going to be the topic of today's program. And you want to talk about the tax laws and the changes that have gone into effect and how they have changed people's retirement accounts um, so that they know how to plan accordingly. Yeah, the reason why I thought this was important because the planning in 2020, or at least for us, um, our planning is different in 2020 than it was in prior years. Uh, in prior years, uh, it, as far as planning for, uh, you know, as far as the beneficiaries, Beneficiaries prior to 2020, before the Secure Act passed, uh, could stretch their uh, retirement account that they inherit from their parent uh, during their lifetime. That's real important because the money can grow tax deferred. So, in other words, if you, uh, if some child has a 
uh, as a beneficiary of a retirement account prior to January 1st, they could have, let's say they had a 30-year life expectancy, they could have stretched the payments out of that retirement account, and that retirement account would just continue to uh, uh, grow, and the amount of money that was received, the tax would be deferred for a lot long, longer period of time uh, compared to the law that changed on January 1st. Uh, as of January 1st, uh, unless you meet five categories, then the beneficiary has to take out the funds within 10 years. Well, actually 10 years after the year of death, so it's technically 11 years. Mm -hmm. 10 tax years after the year of death. So that means that the government's going to get their dollars a lot quicker. And so that means that they're going to be, the child is going to be taxed a lot quicker uh, if they were the beneficiary. I say the child, uh, there are the five exceptions to the rules are as follows. Number one, if you have a surviving spouse, so just like in the past, if you have a surviving spouse and you name them as a beneficiary, then they could stretch it over their lifetime. Although the question will be, do we want that now? We'll talk about that in just a second. Number two, um, if the child is a minor, if they're under 18, let's say, then they could stretch it until they're 18 and then have to take it out within 10 years after reaching the age of majority of whatever the major majority is of that state, whether it's 18 or 21. Uh, number three, if the person is a beneficiary, if the beneficiary is a person who is less than 10 years younger than you, so let's say that you had named a sibling and the sibling was less than 10 years of age difference, uh, then, uh, then also the, the, um, uh, they could take it out over a stretch it over a longer period of time. Uh, or if the person is disabled um, or a chronically ill, uh, then they could also stretch it out over a longer period of time. However, there should be noted that if you're on a Medicaid program and you've got that income, that retirement income on a monthly basis, then that could jeopardize your public benefits. So then you would want to do things in a different way where you have like a certain type of trust that could accumulate so that the district so the distribution stay in the trust so it would not jeopardize the Medicaid. Well anyway, let's let's talk about why would this make a difference? Not only is there tax dollar differences that would be could be substantial. So the first thing that we have to think about is who are our beneficiaries? Uh, who are our beneficiaries? And uh, and are they the ones that we want? So let's use the example of what we just mentioned just a second ago about a child. Let's say you had two children, one child who was perfectly fine and another child who was disabled. Well, if I give the retirement account, let's say, either all or half to the one with the, uh, who's perfectly fine, well, then that means that they're going to get taxed within 10 years. Okay? All right, well, what if I gave it all to a disability trust for the benefit of a disabled child. Well, they could stretch it out over their lifetime, and the assets could be done in a way where it doesn't jeopardize that Medicaid. So maybe what you did, if we had $100,000 uh, of cash and $100,000 in the IRA, maybe your planning is that the IRA goes to the disabled child and the other $100,000 goes to the child who's not disabled so that we could stretch the money, stretch the tax dollars over a longer period of time so there's more savings for the benefit of the uh, 
for the family. Very good. Does that makes sense so far? Sure, very okay. much. Now, uh, there, there's also some other things. Now, the, the first thing you have to think about is what the person's age is. What is the person's age? Um, because your money, if you have a retirement account, uh, it's, it, they look, you know, usually there's a, there's a thing called the rule of 72s. Rule of 72s is that your money, di- uh, basically, if you have a 7.2%, it just depends upon what you think you're raising is beyond the stock market. The uh, average rate of return is, let's say, 7.2% of the history of the stock market, let's say. Um, then that means your money will double every 10 years. So let's say that you were a uh, 65-year-old male. Well, if you're a 65-year-old male, then and you have a 20-year, let's say it has a 20-year life expectancy. That means the money will double twice in from whatever it is now. So if you had $500,000, well, that would mean by the time you died that that would be worth $2 million in your retirement account. Okay. Now, and usually the biggest asset that most people have, other than their home, is their retirement accounts. Okay. So you say, okay, now the tax stock, there's going to be a lot more. Uh, usually most people aren't subject to state tax. Uh, it's more the income tax issues that are, are, are more of a concern nowadays. Uh, Texas follows the fed, federal rules where there's, if your state is less than $11,580,000, there's no state tax. Mm-hmm. So that's not, uh, even though it's supposed to go down in 2026 to roughly half of whatever that figure is in 2025, so it's probably going to be somewhere between six and six and a half million, um, that's not the issue for most people. It's the income tax. Because now, you're, you're with a retirement account, what was the whole idea? Congress said, let's have you save for retirement. We will let you have your money grow. You can have a tax deduction, et cetera. But we want you to save for retirement. However, when you take it out, when do you take it out, by the way? Well, it depends upon your, the law changed on January 1st. Uh, prior to uh, January 1st, if you had turned 70 and a half, the year before January 1st, 2020, 2020 uh, then you would have to make your required minimum distribution, your RMD, uh, on an annual basis. You have to take out at least a certain amount, but usually by uh, that time, between 3 and 4%. Uh, so it's based on a joint life expectancy table generally. I say generally, if you're married, if you're married, there could be an even longer table if your spouse is more than 10 years younger than you. But generally, that means a 27-year life expectancy, which is about 3% or so, uh, if, if, uh, that you'd have to take out once you're 70 and a half. Now, if you didn't turn 70 and a half before January 1st, then you don't have to make out the requirement of distributions until age 72. Okay. And by the way, as we talked about several weeks ago on the coronavirus legislation, you don't have to make a required minimum distribution at all during um, this year by the tax laws. That's just part of the legislation that was signed by the president uh, and Congress. So, um, in any event, um, now um, the idea is that okay. So now we have the, the we have to look at uh, who's our beneficiary, and should we do? Should we try to think of a beneficiary who could stretch? Now, what if you have somebody who can't stretch? Do we want them to have the stretches that make it more make more sense 
to have it uh, done where we can stretch in another way. How do you do that? Well, especially for those who are charitably inclined, there are different types of charitable trust. So you could have a church. There's two different types of charitable trust. One is where they, let's say you had a 20-year life expectancy where you could say, oh, I'll take out 5% a year. And another one looks at, well, there's growth, and we'll take out 5% of whatever the value is of the retirement account. So there's a couple different types of uh, charitable uh, trust. One's called a unit trust. One's called an annuity trust. Uh, And if you're charitably inclined, then the charity gets, like, let's say 10% at the time uh, of your death, or the child's death or children's death, but that money could be stretched out. And so so there has to be a calculation. Is it better... If you want the stretch, is there more? Is it maybe more tax efficient for the charity to be a beneficiary at the end, like having because the dollars that have grown, as opposed to getting the dollars quicker and being taxed more? So that gets into the question: How much is the tax rate? Well, that you're it's based on your income tax rate. Whatever that income tax rate is of the beneficiary is going to be taxed. So it could be that you want to not have bigger sums taxed immediately, which puts the beneficiary in a higher tax rate. All right, so next thing is, uh, oh, okay, so now we said that those are those five exceptions. The most uh, common exception, though, would be like a spouse, because they usually do a spousal rollover. Um, but it could be now that we see that this money is going to grow so much, do we want it to grow that much, or maybe we should consider uh, taking dollars out of that quicker if you're in a lower tax bracket. All right. So let me kind of give you an example. Um, yesterday I talked to somebody, and she wanted her, she has three children. She has a $2 million retirement account. She's 65 years of age. So she's, So we said, okay, your money's going to, women live about a little bit longer than men, but let's just say the, tw- the, uh, the doubling twice that we talked about a little bit ago. That means that by the time she dies, that means it'll be $8 million. Mm-hmm. Well, she originally wanted, uh, she originally wanted uh, that her children, her assets, her retirement account assets, to go into a trust that would uh, protect her children. One of her children uh, you know, spends money. Well, they're just not very good with money. And they would just blow the money. They want somebody else to be in charge. Sure. And, and, and before, the law was that you could... If you had special language in your uh, will or trust, that you could still continue to, st- to stretch the retirement account over that person's life expectancy, even though it went into a trust. The trust generally has a zero life expectancy, but if you have certain language in there, you still could uh, have a, I'll just call it an IRA trust. Okay. Well, now if she did that, where they got their, if each child, if it's, if it's uh, let's say it was, uh, uh, even if it was only $6 million and if she had three children, let's say the rate of return wasn't 7.2%, but it was only something less than that, then $2 million over five years, well, even if it was say, everything, even if the assets didn't grow, that's $400,000 income each year. Yep. Well, that's a lot of tax. Yes. And how much is, oh, how much is the tax? Well, it's, it's going to be a high tax rate. So you mm-hmm. may say, well, it may be better to consider other ways if you want. And so one of the things we talked about, well, maybe should you be, if you're, once your tax rate is lower, should we be taking out the IRA as opposed to other assets 
so there's lower taxes. So now what we're doing is getting the financial advisor to throw in all these different kind of calculations. How much is her burn rate? What is she living on? What is, what is her life expectancy? What is her rate of return? And so the, the financial attorney, financial advisor works with the attorney to figure out, well, is the way that we had it done originally still the way to go today? Now, I'm going to get, it's, it's going to, I'm sorry if I'm going to get, if I'm getting kind of technical here, but the reason why this is important too is also a lot of times we name trust as beneficiaries, which we just said, because we want to protect our beneficiaries from either bad marriages or their spouse remarrying, them remarrying, their spouse remarrying. So let's say I had named a child as a beneficiary and they were married. If I just gave them the, the retirement account directly to the child, uh, my daughter, let's say I give my do- to my daughter, Wendy, and if my daughter, Wendy, gave it all to her spouse, if she was married, then he could do with that. He might get remarried and go all to some family I don't even know about. And I might mm-hmm. have grandchildren by that time. And if that happened, do I want that, that however, much he, however much it would have been, uh, to go to some family I don't even know? There might even be a dot. Even if, if the, uh, the in-law child was the best person you could ever imagine, they may, their new spouse might have health issues, and then they have a duty of support, at least here in Texas. Right. Is that what you want? So a lot of times people have a trust within their will or a trust within their trust that has special language where an IRA could go into it. However, the ability to stretch that we had before has changed. So now we have all these other th- different things to consider. We have to also consider if it goes into a trust, what is the trust tax rate? The trust tax rate's higher. It's on a higher amount, uh, a higher higher tax rate on a lower amount of income. Now, generally, it doesn't matter because there's a thing called the marginal tax rate, the effective tax rate. And I know I'm getting kind of complicated here, but basically, if your income on the trust exceeds uh, $12,950, then the tax rate is 37% on the excess, 37% on the excess. So you say, oh, MG, (laughs) Uh, that's a lot of tax. And so we have to say, well, how much is going to be in that retirement? And so do we have to consider now, is it more important for us to have asset protection to protect the child? Now, an inherited IRA in Texas is only one of eight states where an IRA is protected from creditors. In other words, if I have an IRA that goes to a child, if my child gets sued, then the IRA is is protected from the lawsuit of the creditor. In most states, that is not the case. In most states, the the creditor can sue and collect against the IRA. Texas has a specific law that allows the protection so now we have to look at the marginal tax rate, and we have. So now what we have to do is calculate how many we have to look at uh, how many beneficiaries there are, how much the growth is, what the age is of the person, um, and have to figure out whether it's more important to have asset protection, or is it more important to have tax efficiency? Kind of complicated. It really is, and I'm going to have to stop you there and and hose you down a little bit too because that was. 15 straight minutes of outstanding education, and Michael doesn't take a breath, as you can plainly tell. 
He doesn't read anything, whether you can tell or not. This is all straight from his head. He's a quick study, and he locks this critical information in. And you would think he was a financial planner with the way he talks, but he's not. Never has been, never will be. But he understands the financial plan, financial planning part of the business because he is the quintessential estate planner, and he has to, at least in general terms, understand the financial. And that's why he brings up a lot of these um, tax issues financial issues, and uh, provide you with general yet very clever and astute strategies for how to do your planning, especially with retirement accounts. But this is not uh, far enough. We need to go farther. You need to go farther and attend Michael's next virtual online workshop, meaning not in person, but via your computer or laptop. And that is on May the 28th, which is a Thursday at 1 o'clock. And Michael, tell them first how to sign up for your workshop, which you've been doing for years and years now, and they've been very successful even in this coronavirus era that we're in, and then tell them what goes on at those virtual workshops. Yeah, usually, well, first of all, what we do is we ask people what they want to know. It's free. It's free mm-hmm. estate planning. It doesn't have to be on retirement accounts. It could be on Medicaid. It could be on probate. It could be on veterans benefits. It's whatever you want to know about. It could be something as simple as what about a will versus a trust or what's a power of attorney and what you should have in it. Maybe it's something with the coronavirus times that we're in. How do we change documents now that the, that the pandemic that we're in uh, has, has changed to some of the things that we did previously? Um, so we ask people, what do, we, what do you want to know? What is it that you want to know? Whatever it is. And for a couple hours, we answer the questions. We don't. Every workshop's different because every time that we talk to people, they have different questions. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes it's a lot of the same type of questions. A lot of things are simple about what's the difference between a will and a trust, and what's the probate process. What does probate even mean? Uh, you know, what's a power of attorney, and do I have these authorities? What's what does all this mean? And so we answer the questions, whatever it may be, whether it's something as sophisticated as the tax issues that that we just talked about, or at least bringing you into my world as to the some of the complications uh, from a, that we have to consider when we do our planning, uh, or it could be something very simple. And, and it doesn't really matter. You just say, what do you want to know? And for two hours, we answer those questions, and not only of you, but for anybody else, and you get to hear what's on somebody else's mind. And a lot of times, that'll affect your own planning, because you say, oh, I didn't think about that. So... Uh, we just ask people what they want to know uh, it, it, to, to sign up for this workshop, which is free. Uh, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Uh, and by the way, uh, the KAAM listeners know, who've listened to this show before, who have attended the workshop before, they know also that if you only if you go to the free, uh, in this case, virtual workshop, which you, which we do at basically every couple of weeks, um, then if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, I call them that 214-720-0102 number, then we also give you a free one-hour vision meeting. We call it a vision meeting so we can look at your at your stuff. That's a legal term for estate planning documents. We look at your stuff <laughs> and your assets to determine what is, is what your plan that you had before 
what you want now. Has anything changed? We just talked about the tax laws that changed on January 1st. Maybe something we also mentioned about coronavirus legislation. Is there anything that's changed on your plan that might be done differently um, than we had done previously? Well, we'll look at it, and we'll do that for free uh, if you attend the free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop by just calling that 214-720-0102 number or signing up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. And when he, sends it, when he says attend, he means online, of course. He doesn't mean in person. So bear that in mind. Sign up for the next one on Thursday, May the 28th, which is 1 o'clock, and you can enjoy that event in per, uh, online, not in, in person, but uh, virtually using conference calling or uh, whether it's audio or visual, and you can do it from your own couch or living room, which is really convenient. Michael, we got three minutes. Right. i got to make one important point before we run out of time, and that is that you've talked a lot about taxes. You've talked a lot about financial, and you talked about how people are going to get walloped if, if they do certain things. So thank you for that clever education that you provided us. But my goodness, Michael, with these PPP programs, and with the new HEROES Act that the Democrats are proposing, if we are giving consumers more money or loans or grants, you know as well as I, every tax under the sun is not going to do anything but go up, and that's going to make everything even more difficult in the future, and all the more reason why people have to plan accordingly in a 10-year next workshop. I, I, I think that, there, I mean, have, I think your point is, if we give away a lot of money and the economy is not as good as it used to be, how are you going to make up the difference? You have only choice. You make up the difference on anything. You, anything. There's only one thing. There's two couple of things. Either you cut benefits, mm -hmm. cut programs, or you raise taxes, or you do a combination of those things. Right. I don't think it, t it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. So, you know, I've been telling people, well, I wonder, you know, on this conversation with the person yesterday, I said, well, do we anticipate that the Medicare taxes are going to go up? In other words, based on your income, or will you even well, will they increase the age before you get Social Security? Will they increase you know some of the different things so that we don't pay out as quickly? All those things are on the table. I'm sure right. they have to be. It, it would it would be lunacy. I mean, I don't know. Some people might say, well, it doesn't really matter. We just print money and and we're the strongest economy. So, uh, but will we continue to be? I don't know. Uh, was Rome the strongest economy? Yeah, probably it was. Did it last? It lasted for a long time, but things change in history. It could be that uh, China will be the biggest uh, economy. Uh, I, I don't know. So yeah. the bottom line is that we have to uh, uh, anticipate that there's going to be cuts in various benefits, whether it be Medicare, perhaps Social Security, or, what, or maybe the age, or perhaps... Um, um, there's going to be, it could be anything. I, I would think that there'll be more taxes on, or, you know, so, you know, let's say you have the estate taxes. Uh, will that limit, will we get rid of it where there's no estate taxes at all? I don't think so. Will the right. limit go down? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think I think it will. To, I think you have to. Yeah. yeah. I think they have to dip into every bucket and um, take some out, and that would mean raising taxes. Even if Donald Trump is president again for four more years, he has to do that for the sake of the long term. And the national debt, which is up another three, four, five trillion dollars and, and is growing significantly every day, 
if they don't do something, our children are going to pay dearly, uh, and we may even as well. Yeah, I think the children are definitely going to be paying dearly. Um, so, I don't know. It's just going to happen, and we have to expect the worst and plan for the best. Plan for the well, worst. Sir. Hope for the best and plan for the worst. Yes, exactly. And um, the best planning you can do is attend this next workshop. That's Michael Cohen's workshop. He's been doing these for years. You've heard for the last 25 minutes how intelligent and, and current he is uh, when it comes to estate planning. So do so by going to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, or dial Michael Cohen's phone number at 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 for his next free virtual online workshop on Thursday, May the 28th at 1 o'clock. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.